Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Today is Palm Sunday, and uh, Palm Sunday is Jesus coming into Jerusalem, triumphal entry, and people waving branches and shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed the coming kingdom of our father, David, and tying in this story that we've been talking about this whole time. The story that we find ourselves in is being enacted in Palm Sunday. It all means something, you know, and so I want to just thank uh, the last two weeks. I want to thank Jim Reynolds. I don't know if he's in the room today. But, uh, but for preaching on the Incarnation a couple weeks ago, I want to thank our very own Micah Scharschberg for preaching on the kingdom of God last week and really kind of teeing up this message today So that we're talking about the king and the cross and discipleship. We're taking this, just how these things are all tied together. And so here's where we've been going in the series. And here's the series in one sentence is that the story that we find ourselves in is about learning to read the Bible through the lens of Jesus and how we as individuals and as a people fit into the story of God. So I want to encourage you, even as we're going through this today, I'm going to be doing a flyover of Mark. Uh, Micah was in Matthew last week, be doing a flyover of Mark, but I want to encourage you, go back and check it out. Go back and read it for yourself through this lens and through some of the ways that I'm going to be talking about how to interpret it. And so this is the flyover of the series. The first message was through the lens of Jesus. Then it was the triune God creates and the fall and blessed to be a blessing, that promise given to Abraham for all the nations. The God of Exodus is revealed, the story of Israel. The word became flesh, the kingdom of God, and this week is the king, the cross and discipleship. And so what I want to say right here at the beginning is that the gospel, so Michael was talking about the gospel of the kingdom, and the gospel of the kingdom is repent, believe, the kingdom is here, repent and order your life to the kingdom of God. That's the, that's the gospel that Jesus preached, and uh, man, it's exciting. The kids are loving this, and uh, it's an exciting message. But here's the way I want to say it. The gospel that you respond to will set your expectations about the Christian life. So what I'm saying there is if you respond, if, if all you heard was you get to go to heaven and your sins are forgiven, then that will set your expectations for what the Christian life is. I'm forgiven and now I have some optional things that I can do if I want to. The way we frame this a lot of times is with this slide right here, this next slide. There we go. And, and this is like my personal salvation. I'm going to heaven. And that's kind of the main good news that we got. And what that does then, it makes discipleship, following Jesus, laying down your life, the way of the cross, and an optional add-on to the good news. When Jesus framed the gospel as, come follow me. He framed it as the gospel of the kingdom, where you leave one kingdom and you come into another kingdom. You leave darkness and you come into light. You leave death and you come into life. And it's, tr- it's, it's like a really huge, gigantic good news, and it's more than just optional. 
I mean, what if what Jesus had done for us is so absolutely mind-bogglingly radical and so complete and full and holistic that now we get to follow Jesus with all of our lives, our thinking, our hearts, our minds, our souls, all that we are. What if? And it just, it's liberating to think about the gospel like this. We, so often we want to run straight to Romans and I'm forgiven and I'm justified and that will cause us to miss out on the whole, on the gospel story, on all the stuff that Jesus did that he wants us to actually it's not just his, uh, how do we say this? It's not just his vicarious death. It's also his vicarious life. Everything that he did, was, said, is now, means something for us right now. What he did, he did on behalf of humanity. And he wants us to actually follow him. I'm happy. But we are talking about the cross today. <laughs> just just so, so you know. So it's like, it's like this. We want to see all of life through the lens of Jesus. Got some friends up at Regent that, that, that uh, did it this way. You know, you want to have that Jesus lens looking through all of life. You could just take that, if you could take that stained glass and look at the Bible that way and, 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 and look at your family that way and look at your job that way and look at all the different spheres through the lens of the crucified and resurrected Lord. Because you see, he is declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true king and Lord of the world. That's who Jesus Christ is. He is the Lord. He's the resurrected Lord and king. And, he's, and, and somehow we've got to see that we are woven together. I love Jim's language. The web of discipleship is pulling together the life, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension, and return. He's coming again, and it pulls all of that together for us. And so then it makes sense then when we look through this lens, again, that we're a part of a story. And we've been telling this story over and over again through the last eight weeks. I think this is the ninth week in the series. And so we're a part of this story, and we're living in the light of that story. That is our story. And we are now in this kind of open space here between the coming of Jesus and new creation. But it's broken in. The way Micah said it last week, it's now. The kingdom is here, but it's also not yet. And so we live in as, as a, a eschatological people. We live in light of the end times. We're a signpost people that point to the way things should be, that things will be. Make sense? Some of you guys have heard that so many times, and you, you know that move. And some of you guys are new and go, that's, it's new, yeah. And uh, so, so this is the story. This is the story that we find ourselves in. That's what we're talking about. And I was reminded, maybe yesterday, that the Lord wanted me to just highlight to you guys, be listening to Jesus as I'm speaking. I'm going to be covering so much stuff this morning, but it's going to, I just think if we're listening to the Lord, if, we're, if we'll be listening, he's going to highlight things that are just for you, you as we go through this. As we go through this, he's going to highlight some things that are just for you. He's speaking, behold him. He's speaking, look to Jesus. I was, I was listening to, a, I've been listening to some of the Jesus Hour stuff on Sunday uh, from Waco, Antioch, Waco. And uh, this guy was praying, and, and we've got this word, beholding Jesus, you know, for 2022 here. 
for, a church, for our own church, behold Jesus. And uh, this guy was praying, and he said, I just want to pray that we'd behold Jesus. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. He goes, just not just sort of look at him, but look at him and so closely and intimately that we would trace the outline of his face. Um, Uriah Stepp is a dear friend and brother who's in Oklahoma now. And, um, you know, he would always just say, Jamie, I'm just so stirred up today, man. I'm so stirred up. I've been spending time with Jesus and I've been looking in his eyes. And I just want to encourage you, look in the eyes of Jesus. Yeah, just there's life there and there is love and compassion there. I shared that story and somebody else this morning in the prayer meeting over there shared that, um, that uh, they'd had a, a dream one time and it just, it was, she had tears in her eyes she was in, from a long time ago. And she was like on a hospital bed or something and Jesus came and touched her cheek and it, the, she saw his eyes, the eyes of compassion and love. And isn't that the revelation of God to us, that he loves us, and that he cares about us? He's speaking. He died for the sins of the world, and he is the crucified and resurrected Lord of heaven and earth. That's who Jesus is. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say. That gospel, that gospel is a radical invitation to lifelong discipleship to Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit together in community. Okay? So... Um, all of that's not totally said because we're reading backwards. We know that the Spirit's coming, and we know that the community is coming. You see hints of it in Mark, but uh, let's look at this here today. So, uh, Kim, can you hand me my glasses? They're just out of the thing. Um, awesome. Just find that this helps for reading the Bible. So if you've got a Bible, what you might do, what I'm going to be doing is going through some of these uh, technical, uh, the technical language is pericope, but the other way of just saying it is these little titles over the beginnings of each few paragraphs in Mark. And what we're going to be doing here is looking at our call to discipleship. In the first eight chapters, it's in the life of Jesus. And in the second seven or eight or so, it's in, it's in the death of Jesus. And we are called to follow Jesus, both in his living and in the downward journey of the cross, to lay down our lives and to follow him, to take up our cross and to follow him. So we're called to discipleship, first of all, in the life of Jesus. And you see that kind of flowing from the gospel that I just mentioned earlier in verse 15, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And so uh, rather than skip all of this, like all of this is important. Every gospel's got a story about Jesus and all of it matters. It's not just get to his death, it all matters. Like we're supposed to follow him. He's modeling for us what the kingdom life looks like. Does that make sense? So he's modeling for us, this is what the kingdom is. Living in the, in the gospel of the kingdom, in this good news, believing, repenting and believing this is, is uh, what he's calling us to. So he's modeling, proclaiming the gospel. So if you don't know how to proclaim the gospel, then say, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news, and you'll be doing like Jesus. Okay, there's more to it. You unpack more and more over time, and, and unpack, unpacking that is the, certainly the rule of faith, 
that it's all those core truths about who Jesus is, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived and died under Pontius Pilate, that he was raised again on the third day, ascended to the right hand of the Father, coming again in glory and power to judge the living and the dead. But that's all in that, that's all in that who Jesus is. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the king and the Lord of the world. So Jesus then is modeling, what, is that, what does that reign look like? Well, it's calling disciples together. It's calling community together. What does it look like? It looks like demonstration where he's going, watch me. And he's driving out impure spirits. So when the kingdom of God comes, the devil's got to go. That's the way it works. So kingdom comes, devil goes. Kingdom comes, evil leaves. And, and so that's what he's bringing to us. And so he's driving out demons. He's healing people of disease and being paralyzed and being messed up, dehumanized, disfigured, all of that. That's what Jesus is doing and modeling for us. He's modeling prayer. He goes to a solitary place to pray. He's modeling. This is how you walk in the spirit. This is how you walk in a way. And again, it's prototype. It's the prototype of what humanity is supposed to be, where he lives a completely dependent life on the father. Like I only do what I see the father doing. I only say what I hear the father saying. So when I was encouraging you to listen to Jesus, to listen to the father, like, and I know this comes up sometimes, but hearing God is not uh, uh, it's not edgy. It's not controversial. It's, it's amazing. If we're followers of Jesus, like hearing God is all he did. Can, can I just, like that's all he did. He said, I only say what I hear the father saying. So not, it's not like a charismatic controversial thing. This is a following Jesus thing. I want to put it firmly on the ground of discipleship that we would listen to Jesus and respond to him. So, so praying, he's modeling prayer for us and listening and making decisions out of the place of prayer. He's, he's healing and forgiving in chapter two there. He's forgiving, pronouncing forgiveness and then healing in the power of God. He's eating with, a, one quick story, just yeah, my shoulder feels good too. Okay, so two, two quick stories. Um, this past Monday, I had tingling in my hand all morning. And it was just, it was kind of numb and tingling. And I'm like, Kim's like, ah, didn't, you know, there's things that are associated with your left hand and all that. And finally, I just, and we were in a staff thing over there. And I said, hey, would you guys just pray for me in the power in the name of Jesus for this tingling to stop? It was annoying. And they prayed and 15 minutes later, it was gone. It'd been there all four hours and it was gone. This morning, I was in prayer over there, and my shoulder was hurting every time I moved it, and I just said, hey, would you guys just pray for me in the name of Jesus? They prayed, thank you, and I feel great. Now, we live in the now and the not yet, so people are healed, and sometimes we see people not healed, but we are, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to express the kingdom and the reign of God over the devil and over sin and over sickness. In the name of Jesus. I, I think this is what the gospel of the key is modeling for us. It's not just he's living a life and doing some stuff until he gets to the cross. He's modeling humanity 
what we're supposed to do. Then he calls, uh, he's showing the importance of people over religion, over the Sabbath, that he's saying people are more important than the religious kind of ruts that we get into. People matter. God's love for people matters more than the rut, than the religion. Um, He calls the 12, and, you know, he's modeling for us. That's not a random number, right? It it, it matters. He's reconstituting Israel around himself. He's, He's literally, it's the whole story stuff that we've been talking about, but he's fulfilling that purpose, destiny, and call to be a light for the nations that Israel did not do, he's now enacting that by, by calling the 12 back together around him as Israel's true God. That's what's going on there. He's redefining family. You know, his mother and brothers go like, man, you're making a scene. And he, they call him out. He's like, I'm not going out. My mother and brothers are here around me. It's whoever does the will of God. That's who my mother and brothers and family are, redefining family, doing God's will. Um, Micah talked about it last week. The seeds of the kingdom are constantly being sown. They're being sown this morning. Where's your heart? (laughs) Let it land on good soil so that it'll bear a harvest, 30, 60, 100 fold, and not get choked out by weeds, cares, and the worries of life. Um, He's modeling authority over nature. You know, in the calming of the storm. Um, anybody ever prayed for a storm to part and see it part? A few of us. I, I have. Uh, one of the big ones was, uh, it was actually not me, but Don Fento. <laughs> I'm at an elders meeting for, in Nashville for the first time uh, that I'd gone up to Belmont. This is years ago. And, uh, and uh, we're in an elders meeting where we're walking around. If I tell too many of these stories, it's... Just bear with me. I know you want to hear it. It's going to be good. But, but uh, we're walking around, and it, uh, I didn't know you could open your eyes in a prayer meeting. I, just, I thought you had to close your eyes all the time. But I was sort of watching these guys, and they're just walking around praying about stuff, the bullet points, items of agenda, you know, that they're, and, the, and, and they're hearing God together while they're praying, walking around. I'm like, this is how you do a meeting. This is how you get through stuff. You just pray your way through the, the bullets, and then clouds, it starts raining, and Don's like, oh, it's Wednesday night service. Lord, would you just part the clouds right now in the name of Jesus? We don't want any wrecks or anything. And he goes off on, and they start praying other stuff. And I'm sitting back against the wall, and I watch the clouds go like this, and sunshine come out. And he walks over, and he goes, goes thank you, Lord, for that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow. You know, I'd never seen anything like it. This, you know... Uh, this guy uh, that didn't have experiences like that, you know, didn't know that God had authority over nature, and he does, and he lives in us, you know, and so he has authority over the devil and over disease, and he's expressing that in these different paragraphs and chapters over the demon-possessed man. They know who he is, which brings up an interesting question in the first eight chapters, it's constantly, who is this? Who, who is this? And so he's feeding people. He's crossing boundaries, going to the Syrophoenician woman. She's like, yeah, but, but we're just a dog under the table. But even dogs have crumbs from the table. He goes, you've got great faith. Your daughter's healed. 
you know? And so he's crossing boundaries to reach people. He's modeling for us that apostolic impulse that we have that wants to reach other peoples with the good news about Jesus and feeding people and helping them. And ultimately, you know, there is what you see in Jesus in chapter 7. It's not just what comes in you, it's what comes out of you. Chapter 8, there is the the, uh, deaf ears are opened, mute lips begin to speak, and blind eyes begin to see. And he wants us to hear, to really hear. He wants us to be able to speak about the good things and the glad tidings of God. And he wants us to be able to see, I mean, to really see and not be people that see and don't see and not be people that hear and don't hear, but people that see and really see and people that hear and really hear. And so this question is just echoing through these first eight chapters. Who is this? Who has this kind of authority? Who can do this? The the demons are saying, you're the son of God, but everybody else isn't getting it. And so finally, in chapter 8, verses 27 to 38, is where we have the kind of the focal point. I'm just the, the, the hub here, is that Jesus is confessed as the king, And immediately, once they know that he's the king, the Messiah, he then proclaims the cross to them, that I'm going to suffer and die and be killed on a cross. And then he calls them to follow him, to take up the way of the cross and follow him on this journey. So if you would, stand up and let's read from the word of God. This is Mark 8, verse 27 down to verse 37. 38, to the end of the chapter. Lord, bless the reading of your word and open our eyes that we might truly see and our ears that we might truly hear and our mouths that we might truly proclaim. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory and with his holy angels. This is the word of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Have a seat. Thanks for honoring the word and standing in that way. Um, And we want to stand under that word. Who is this? He's the king. You are the Messiah. 
And we want to hear the word about the cross, his death, that he died on behalf of humanity. And we want to hear the word of the call to discipleship for us. And it's scandalous, man. I mean, when they heard this word, they couldn't believe it. Uh, Again, if you'll go to Jim's podcast, you can hear more. He goes through maybe eight messiahs that are logged historically during this same time frame, and they were all killed. They all tried to take over Rome. They all tried to win by political and, and, and military strength. And they were all killed, and they, none of them was raised from the dead. Not one. But Jesus is different. When the kingdom comes, there is a call then for us to follow in the way of Jesus. If the kingdom is advancing, somebody's laying down their lives. Now, you can look around and go, man, I, I love Antioch. I, I love what God's doing here. And I promise you, somebody's laying down their life for us to move forward. You know, and it's sometimes it's like, whoa, you know, I can't believe it's, it's hard. And then sometimes it's like, this is what is promised to us, the way of the cross. And to not be scandalized by the way of Jesus, even though in our natural mind, it's kind of scandalous. You know, it's scandalous to the Greeks, scandalous to the Jews, foolishness, all of that. So, when the kingdom comes, somebody is laying down their lives, and Jesus is modeling that for us. So let's talk now about discipleship. We're called to discipleship in the life of Jesus, just looking at what he does, but also in the way to the cross, in the way of the cross. He's like bumping up the teaching even more as he's walking that way himself. It's going to the next level. I, I came across a quote yesterday. We were riding in the car with some guys, and I came across this quote, the cross is a window into the heart of God. Uh, Man, that's really good. Uh, Kenny said it. I mean, there's the center of his love. There's no greater expression than the self-giving, self-sacrificing, no no greater expression of love than the self-giving, self-sacrificing love that is expressed in dying for somebody else. It means I love you more than I love myself, right? It's just unbelievable love and that we're in the center of that love. It's just a fascinating thought. Everybody tracking? Okay, so um, the kingdom of God looks like the way of the cross. So what Jesus does after he makes that statement there, he's up in Caesarea Philippi in the north and he heads resolutely, as Luke says in Luke 9, he heads resolutely for Jerusalem. It's a 145-mile journey, and they're walking. It's not like, it's going to take weeks to get there, and they're, the whole time, it's, it's the way of the cross, and they're walking. They know what's going to happen, and the next thing that happens in chapter 9 is the transfiguration, and Jesus is seen in glory with Elijah and Moses, and then they, they're gone, and they, I love this phrase, they saw no one else except Jesus. And ever since I read that years ago, decades ago, I thought, I think that's supposed to be really important. You see Jesus with, in all of the story and all of his glory, but when it's all said and done, we need our eyes on Jesus. They saw no one else but Jesus. And then after that, he promises again two more times that he's going to suffer and die. The promise is from Jesus that he's going to suffer and die. He's going the way of the cross. And then um, this is chapter 9, verse 38. Whoever's not against us is for us. Here we go. 
So uh, this is the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is for us to understand that if somebody's not against us, they're actually for us. Somebody was casting out demons in the name of Jesus, and they wanted to call down fire on him. But Jesus says, no, we're not doing it that way. Now, what we often do is flip that very statement on its head. Instead of whoever's not against us is for us, we'll say whoever doesn't agree with us exactly like the way we say it, blast them. And and do it on the internet or something. Do it where it's visible for millions and millions of people and kind of as Christians in the name of Jesus. So yeah, it's a hard word, man. It's like, They're not against us. Don't stop him, for no one can do a miracle in my name and in the next moment say anything bad about me. Whoever's not against us is for us. I guess what I'm just trying to say with love, with joy, (laughs) is, is that the way of the cross, brothers and sisters, is the way of unity. That we would have loving each other at the top. We pray for unity all the time, even when things are going good and And we need to keep praying that because that's what the last thing Jesus prayed for. It's one of the great promises of the New Testament. It's over and over again that the walls are down, even in the the atonement. I'm going to make that point in a second. But the wall is down for us who are in Christ. Don't raise it up again. Amen. I'm trying to preach on the cross. You know, it's like, oh. So, uh, so relationships, he redefines relationships so that, that it's not just, it's not lighter, it's not you looking for excuses in the way, this divorce passage, but it's actually deeper. That was just a, that was an accommodation from God. He doesn't actually want you doing that. He wants us living in lifelong loving relationships together. And he says, in fact, the way we do family now is in humility is I want you being like this little child. This is the way of the kingdom. It's being like a little child and he welcomes the little child. And he wants us living our lives that way. You know, if we would just be like a child and be humble, and you say, well, my kids aren't humble, but just the point he's making, there's kid flesh there, right? From the earliest, two years old, whatever. Um, Like, I think that's the fall. (laughs) But if we'll be humble and turn toward each other, in all of our disagreements and all of the stuff we're working through, we'll be humble and turn toward each other. God will do wonderful miracles of keeping us and holding us in great diversity together, great diversity of opinion and background and all this stuff. And, but it's, it's the way of the cross for us to do that, right? It's actually the way of the cross for us to do that, to lay down our lives. It's, it's with relationships and it's with money. The rich guy is there before Jesus and he says, go sell everything and give it to the poor. You know, money can be that thing that the Lord's calling us to lay down so that we can go the way of the cross. You know, and just, it looks different in different seasons. Just, and I know it's quiet right now, but, but let the Lord challenge you about money. And he's challenged us just down, down through the years. We've got different stories of giving things away and trying to follow the Lord with regard to money, stuff, and possessions. Um, can, can we do it? No, <laughs> we can't. It's impossible, but it is possible with God. You know, so that's, that's a theme here. This way of the cross is so, ah, who can do it? But it's possible with God. 
Same thing with power. James and John in the next little section say, we want to be on your right and your left when you come into your kingdom. He's like, it's not that way. Can you drink what I'm about to drink? We can. They don't know what they're, blah, blah, blah. They don't know what they're saying. You know, they don't understand. And, and power, it's another thing. We're laying that down. We're laying those power-grabbing desires and taking the low road of the cross. That's what Jesus is calling us to in this discipleship that's the heart of God, the way of the cross. Um, and a desire to see is the next, where am I at? Uh, end of chapter 10, if you're following along in your Bibles. Um, end of chapter 10. And again, listen to Jesus through this. You're gonna hear, everybody's gonna hear different stuff for them. But blind Bartimaeus said, you know, son of David, have mercy on me. And I just wanna encourage you, John Mark McMillan, write this down, don't look it up right now, but write down the name, John Mark McMillan, and the song is Closer. It's off his first record back from 2004, 2005, and, and it's, I just wanna be closer to you, Lord. I wanna be closer to you now, and, just, and it just gets big. I'm a guitarist, and so it has a lead break there, and it's just, I get, get a, I'm gonna describe this for a second here. It's probably some kind of a Gretsch, maybe a 335 Gibson, um, some kind of boutique amp is what is my guess. And it has this lead break and it's just awesome. Just and it breaks and he goes, son of David, don't pass me by. And I'm just gripped every time I hear that because I'm naked and I'm poor and I'm blind and he's screaming it at the top of his lungs in the studio. And it's powerful. And listen to it. I almost played it this morning. I probably took that long to do it, so I could have done it. Um, but the point there is the way of the cross is a desire to see God as he really is. Don't pass me by. Have mercy on me. Let some passion flow in our hearts for the son of the living God. I'm naked. I'm poor. I'm blind. I need you, Jesus. So then Jesus comes to Jerusalem. It's the triumphal entry. It's Palm Sunday. That's what they were doing here and now. It's Palm Sunday. And he comes and these key parts from the story are Hosanna. This is chapter 11, verse 9. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So Jesus comes as the king. But it's just bizarre because he's going to be crucified in the same city just days later, right? Just, just a few days later. And he clears the temple. He is, uh, his authority is questioned. Who gave you the authority to do this? And I mean, there's a showdown going on here. Who gave you this authority? He tells the parable of the tenants that, well, it's, it's you guys are the ones where judgment's coming and you're going to kill me. Though I'm bringing judgment. The judgment of God is coming to the temple. And then he enacts that. That judgment by turning over the temple, the, turning over the tables, and judgment is coming against this temple. It's going to be destroyed, but I'll raise it up again in three days. And it, this thing is going to happen, and everybody's going to see it happen. This generation won't pass by before it happens, but I'm going to raise up a new temple. In my body, in the body of the Messiah, is a new temple. And we are little temples, and we are the temple together, together with the other Parts of the body of Christ here in the city that make up the church in the city, that make up the church in the region, that make up the church in the state, that make up the church in the United States, that make up the church 
in the nations. And that's who we are as the body of Christ. And these challenges keep coming to him. Should we pay our taxes? And he has this, just this response. And what about marriage? And what about, what's the greatest commandment of all? Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus is then anointed for burial at Bethany, the alabaster jar. And it's this flagrant, extravagant expression of just passionate worship for Jesus. And they try to stop her, but Jesus said, whenever the gospel, wherever the gospel is preached in the future, they'll tell this story as a part of this extravagant, radical love that's poured out on me, getting me ready for burial and for doing what I'm about to do on, be- on the behalf of humanity by tracking. So he's anointed, the gospel's preached, the Passover happens, and he does the Passover with, normally it's done with family, but he does it with his disciples, and he says there's a new covenant that's being enacted right now. Like now, from now on, the Passover, the way it's been, it's going to be different. It's going to be about me. And I'm enacting a new covenant in my blood together. No longer the blood of animals, but it's the blood of Jesus Christ. In the death of Jesus Christ, this Passion Week that we're stepping into right now on the church calendar, it's a scandal. It's a scandal. And if we thought it was just about heaven then we're going to miss out on all of the, these other things that we're actually, we're called to follow Jesus in this way, in the way of the cross, in the way of discipleship, in the way of expressing the reign of God in our spheres here and now. This is how the kingdom comes. It's through you and it's through me and it's through us together. That's how the kingdom comes. It's God's beautiful economy, his beautiful plan for working out his headship and his reign over heaven and earth through his people. So what does the death of Jesus Christ mean? Well, it's about atonement. It's about making us, it's at one is another way of saying that. It's about us being brought into right relationship, to be justified and things to be set right in our relationship with God. It's about redemption and us being not just set right, but set free from the bondages of slavery and death. And it's about reconciliation being made to be friends again with God. It's about victory over sin, over death, and over the devil. Colossians 2 says that he's made a public spectacle of the enemy by triumphing over him through the cross. That's what's happened through the cross. It creates a new community in his body that we've been talking about. One new humanity that in the cross itself, the the wall of hostility is brought to death. And that he has raised us up one worldwide multi-ethnic family in his body. All the different backgrounds. Just look around the room, different stories, different backgrounds, different ethnicities in this room. And we've been made to be one people, one new humanity in the Messiah. All of that, forgiveness, freedom, victory, one people, one worldwide new humanity. And we could go on. But those are some of the key pieces. And we remember these things. We remember the death of Jesus in what we just did, the Lord's Supper, right? So he says, do this, and when you do this, remember me. And Paul says it, we proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. 
that he died for us, that he died for our sins, that he died to set us free from bondage, that he died to bring about a victory over this, the fallenness of our humanity, that he assumed all that and took it with him into the grave so that we could be raised up with him victorious. And we remember that when we do the Lord's, when we partake the Lord's Supper, you know, he gave us a meal to remember him together. But it's also about baptism. And I want to just say a word here about baptism because baptism is the visible picture of us identifying with him in his death, burial, and resurrection unto life, to, to new life, you know? And so, so it's that, it's, it's identifying with him in death, burial, and resurrection. It's a picture of our sins being washed away, you know, just water, you know, on the, just fresh and clean. And, and it's like the entryway into the life of discipleship. And I just want to encourage everybody here, if, as a, if you're a follower of Jesus, and it doesn't matter how old you are, how new in the faith you are, how old in the faith, if you have not been baptized in water, I want to encourage you, be baptized in water. Sometimes there's some stuff that just doesn't get broken off our lives until we're ready to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life and take this initial step in following you. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. If you haven't done it, man, let's do it. And so we've got a baptism class right after this service. We're doing, we got a bunch of people signed up to be baptized next Sunday. I mean, come on, we're going to be shouting. It's, it's not a bummer. Like people are going to be cheering and shouting, standing up and clapping and woo! Every single person that's baptized. That, that's what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, it's, you don't have to be embarrassed about it. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be hugging you, people hugging you. you mean, even with wet yeah, yeah, it's weird. People will hug you even when you're wet. And it's awesome. And we'll pray for you. So baptisms, just uh, highly, just, oh, I just want that to happen. So where does this land today? Three things. What do we do here? Uh, and baptism could be, if that's you, then, then, and it could be all different kinds of things that the Lord has spoken to you this morning. But follow Jesus in the power of the Spirit together with others in community. And you're like, wow, Jamie, I've never heard you say that before. <laughs> Follow Jesus in the power of the Spirit together with others in community. This is how we do it. You know, this is what we're called to do. Not just, it's, yes, it's a believing, but it's believing in a way that's not separated from doing. It's, it's believing and doing. And so if you need to, it's like, we've got to somehow get out of this, this mindset of everything's about performance. And like he, his grace is so much more radical than that. It's more radical than, did I do enough? You, you could never do enough. You were dead. Like you're dead in sins and transgression. You could do nothing to save yourself. And he saved us. He took our humanity. How much humanity did he take on himself in the incarnation? Just the saved people? And now we're getting theological right here at the end of the message. He took our humanity, every nation, gender, male and female, upon himself. Not just male flesh, but female flesh on himself. And he died our death. Now, he, 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 the beauty of love and relationship and dignity is that we get to respond to each, to each other in love, but we also get to respond to the Lord. 
in love. And so, man, there's a big call here to follow him because of all that he's done, because of all who he is and what he's done, what he's doing and what he will do. You know, the together with others in community part is, we'll talk about the spirit next week. We're covering uh, the resurrection and Pentecost and the ascension uh, next week. But, uh, but the together with others part is it's the only way we can do it. You know, God is a community God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's calling us to do this with other people in the power of the Spirit to follow Jesus. And we follow him with our lives, with our resources, in our spheres, in our personal situations, in the season of life that we find ourselves in right now. That's, that's, that, that's what makes it so personal to everybody. Like the Lord's actually calling you to follow him, not just 12 years ago or 10 years ago when you first started your journey with him. He's calling you to follow him right now. Whether you're a 50-something or a 20-something or a 40-something, around the room, 30-something, 60-something, 70-something, 80-something, 90-something. I don't know if everybody's in the room. Covering everybody, teens, little bitty kids. Amen. He's calling us to follow him. And it's a radical invitation that our ears would be open, that our mouths would be open, that our eyes would be open to really see. It's a radical, all the radical means the roots, all the way down to the roots is this invitation, this gospel good news for us. And he wants us in this season, especially right now, just feel like we're coming into a new, it's a new time. And he wants us to follow him in this new time, right? There's just so many situations, I just know so many situations in this room. He's calling you to follow him right now. Let's stand up. Worship team, come on up. Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to us right now. What's the, what's the next thing that you've got for us? Show us how to respond to you in this, this Easter week, 2022. Lord, would you show us the web of discipleship that ties all of these things together? They're not separate. We're a part of a story that's connected, and we're continuing that story. Lord, would you show us where we're at? Lord, would you just awaken us by the power of your spirit? Would you help us to be connected to community? Would you help us to turn to you and to each other? And, uh, you know, I, I just think some of us, we need help translating what that means in our lives. And so it may mean just like get some prayer. A ministry team, come on up if you would. And uh, just what we do at the end of every service, if you're new here, we just pray for each other. Man, we believe that there's God's powers at work when we're praying. And so we may need help just translating what's this mean in my life? And it may mean I want to start a fresh new journey or I want to be baptized. Pray with somebody about that. And I want to take the next step with the Lord. Uh, whatever that is, I, I just think we hear this about the way of the cross. And man, I need encouragement. I need, I need prayer. And just let's pray for each other. If the front fills up, let's just pray for each other out. Just somebody you came with. But man, let's pray. that. Uh, and I know that 
there's healing needs on any given Sunday. There's, we're going through all different kinds of stuff. Don't leave without getting somebody. Just, hey, pray for me. Just pray for healing in this area. Pray for help. Pray for grace moving forward. And again, as always, let's just press into Jesus right here. Lord, we love you. We say you're the king and we want to follow you in the way of the cross and in discipleship because you are the resurrected Lord. Of the, you're the king of the world. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You guys come as we sing. Whatever your need is, come. Let's press into the Lord here for a few minutes.